Good day, grace and peace to everyone. Anyone who is tuning in right now, may God bless you. And I pray that as I do my best to complete the Genesis series, that the Holy Spirit will fill you and uh, ignite a deeper interest in wanting to read the Bible on your own and getting to uh, develop an even more meaningful and deeper relationship with God. So I do pray that this is something that happens for you as it has happened for me. Amen. All right. With that being said, I want to get right into it because I don't want to spend too much time talking about irrelevant things. I kind of want to stick to the chapters because we are halfway through and it looks like we're at chapter 26. It's been four months. I think the last recording was in May. Um, Obviously, life happens. But hey, I'm here and with the grace of God, I pray to maintain this consistency because um, we are in some dire times. And I think that for those who have never really picked up the Bible, would not mind actually hearing it, right? And kind of getting um, a, a sense of what someone else's thoughts are about the Bible. You know, um, I'm not perfect. Trust me, there's still Similac on my breath compared to people who are very well versed with the Bible. But then again, some people are not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which um, in turn brings wisdom, knowledge and understanding to be able to comprehend what you are reading and to deliver what has been read and understood to an audience so that the audience can understand it the way you understand Um, And obviously the audience cannot just understand with everything I'm saying. It is up to you, the listener, to decide to pick up a Bible and read for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your reading and to fill you with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So I do hope that this is going to resonate and it's going to spark an interest in you to do some Bible reading as well. Just a chapter a day. All right. So we left off at uh, chapter 25. We talked about the sons of Abraham by Keturah. And Keturah happens to be the wife that Abraham married uh, sometime after Sarah died. Uh, So it talks about that lineage. It talks about Ishmael. um, And as promised, God said Ishmael's people will also be blessed, right? But the promise that he has um, in terms of the promised land is for the lineage of uh, Isaac, right? So... You know, and we're going to get into that uh, over time. Then we move on to the segment where it talks about Rebecca giving birth to Esau and Jacob. And, you know, just like Cain and Abel, we see a division in the family, a, a favoritism. Uh, sometimes, you know, my husband and I, we, we go over this and we're like, huh, I wonder if they were not only of two different nations, but also of two different um What's the word? I want to say racial background because it it just, I don't know, it sparks an interest. And again, if I ask for it and God doesn't show me, then clearly there's no relevance to it. I don't need to know it. It's not important, you know, so I don't dwell on it. But it's a good thing. If you can read, it shows your interest. It shows how much you want to know. And whatever God wants you to know, trust me, he'll bring it to light for you. But yeah, we definitely see the struggle. We see the fight to be um, a greater nation, but clearly what God has promised, you already know that that nation is going to be great, even though we are just lustful, flesh-filled people that just can't seem to get out of our sins and it may prolong God's promises and God's will for our lives. Uh, But it's just important that we understand the special people that we are when we say that we are children of God, you know, people who follow Jesus. And so um, this story with uh, Rebecca giving birth to Esau, Esau was the first who came out with Jacob right on his tail, holding on to his um, foot. So that tells you, yeah, this is going to be a, a, a strong one here. Um, and, and Jacob was definitely fighting to, to be at the top, to, to be in the lead. It's already been promised. However, um, I feel like Jacob sped it up. And I talked about that in my last um, episode. So please, if you haven't already, definitely listen to that episode first or all the episodes that precede this. And then, you know, you can catch up because then you'll be able to understand. So we're going to move on. So towards the end of um, chapter 25, Jacob clearly sold, I'm sorry, Esau sold his birthright 
to uh, Jacob for some food. Oh my goodness. This is why we cannot be glutens, y'all. We have to be very, very, very mindful and careful um, in the choices that we make in life. So we're going to move on to chapter 26 and bear with me. I'm going to just sort of read and I would try to read as clearly as possible. I know that I was reading the easy read version, but I have been moved spiritually to continue reading the King James version. I feel that there's more of a spiritual power in it. The words are, are of origination, you know, over time the words change. So I'm just really happy with this version. Uh, if anything, actually, we can do the new King James Version, uh, which is still part of the King James Version, but at least it doesn't really deviate from what's really being said. So I'll do that. I'll just do that. We'll go to the new King James Version so that it can be a bit easier to follow. So like I always say, grab a nice, comfortable blanket, on your nice favorite spots of your sofa or your bed or your corner chair or if it's on your patio wherever it is with your nice cup of joe or your cup of tea anything your popcorn whatever it is and just sit back and listen and i hope that you do enjoy it i hope that it is spirit filled and it touches your heart and pushes you to want to read the bible um and please once again i cannot stress if there are any questions regarding what is being read any curiosity something that just kind of strikes you and you're like wait something's missing or I don't understand. I'll be more than glad to go to God and see if I could find that information for you. All right, so let's begin chapter 26 and hopefully we can finish it because we're halfway through it. I think there's about 48 or 49 chapters in here. So I'm going to really try to do my best. If not, I'm going to have to break it up in um, two episodes. Okay, chapter 26. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heavens. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelled in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, She is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac, showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Yikes. He had already said that was his sister, but then he couldn't help it. He had to show his wife some love. And if you are a peculiar people, guess what? You're going to have haters for no reason. So they're going to always be watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake. And it seems like that's what happened here. I'm in verse 9. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Look at that. Some people don't understand how come you do so well. And because it's not looking the same for them, what's the next thing to do? To hate on you. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. In other words, they the well they clogged the well with um, sand and dirt. So now, you know, they won't have access to water. Verse 16 says, And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. 
Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. Notice Isaac didn't argue. He didn't fight about anything. I mean, somebody who was very prosperous could have easily said, what? I have all the money in the world. You can't chase me to go anywhere, right? But no, there's got to be humility, especially if you are walking with God. Verse 17, then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there, praise the Lord. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they quarreled with him. Notice that uh, like very significant situations or babies are named a certain name, you know, after that particular situation. Um, so how we name our children is very, very important because in the end, God will give you a new name when he wants to use you. Amen. Amen. Uh, so <clears throat> we go to 22. No, we're still at 21. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. That's a wonderful name. Then he went up from there to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you, amen. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant, Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servant dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzeth, one of his friends, and Pekol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, since you hate me and have sent me far away? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. <laughs> this is interesting. As much as your oppressors, your naysayers, your enemies want to see you down, they want to see you weak, God continues to bless you because you remain humble, you remain faithful, and you continue to pray to God, and you continue to serve him. You do not waver or shake. God continues to bless you with all that you need. You never have to want. Your enemies will turn around to try to be your friend. And so he says, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basmat, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Hmm. When I say a grief of mind, I wonder if this is saying that the woman that their son has chosen was probably not what they would have wanted for him. Um, and if y'all will bear with me very quickly, let me see what the easy read version says. Uh, I try to stay away from this because I, I noticed that it does keep a lot of words out. So I'll do my best to remain with scripture that accurately depicts what happened in the biblical days. So it says, uh, when Esau was 40 years old, he married two Hittite women. One was Judith, the daughter of Beeri. The other was Basmat, the daughter of Elon. These marriages made Isaac and Rebekah very unhappy. All right, so it's just as we thought. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So clearly they weren't happy about this. Hmm. Let's see what's going on now. 
Now we're in chapter 27. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah, sneaky woman she, spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Wow, the way that she already had, like she planned this out, you know, what made her single, What what is it that occurred that has them both singled out? In a way, you know, the parents play a role in the division of these brothers, you know, as I'm seeing it. And they, they're supposed to be family. It's so weird. Uh, so verse 11, and Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. Wow. <laughs> the depths that a mom would take, right? I mean, I think that's any of us today. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son, Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his back. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may, be, may bless me. In verse 20, But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. What a lie. And it's crazy because he used God to tell this lie. So verse 21 says, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. It's, see, in that moment, it's as though the Holy Spirit kind of started speaking to Isaac, like, listen, you might want to pay attention. But you know, by this time, the deception was real. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he, smelled the, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you, may God give, of, uh, give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be masters over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Wow, what a blessing. If you were that older sibling who had to miss out on his blessing, how would you feel? But you see, Esau already made this mistake in the beginning by selling his birthright. So it seems that that was just the prelude to what was to come. Hence the reason God answered 
that that tug of war happening in their belly, in in Rebecca's belly, was the 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 uh, the fight of two nations, the struggle of two nations. You know, um, Jacob was able to get Esau to sell his birthright, and then his mother assisted him in not only you know, not only did Esau lose his birthright, but then he loses his blessing as the first son, as the most favored son to his father. That is strong. I just want to take a moment and pray for you that is listening, that in the name of Jesus, that which is yours, the blessing, the gift, whatever is in store for you that God has for you, May no man, not even your own sibling, your mother, your father, no one be able to take that from you. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will keep his mighty hand upon your life, that your enemy would not be able to steal what is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. It is very important to be vigilant and to always have that spirit of discernment. And we will learn a lot of these things in the New Testament. But the Old Testament is a testament to what happens today is a testament to the things that we go through. And the New Testament just tells us the grace we have to come out of those evil generational curses. Oof, Lord. So let's go on to verse 30. Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. So it seems Jacob almost ran into Esau, but he had to make a run for it quick. That was when Esau came in. He, he also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, O oh, me also, O oh my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me with these two times. See, notice what I said earlier. Esau realized, dang, he got me. But yet again, he took away my birthright. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck mm. you know the prayer although he blessed him he's still going to serve under his younger brother and this is because of deceit you know this is because he had taken his birthright from him but it just shows that we can't be greedy you never know what you're giving up just because of your greed no i gotta make more money i just gotta make more money to the point where you lose your soul for it and in the long run, when it's supposed to work for you, it can't anymore because you've given it all up. This is what happened to Esau here. And the father in his prayer says that you shall break his yoke from your neck, but it will come to pass at a certain time when he'll be restless. I guess there's going to come a time where he'll get to a place where, oh my God, things just is just not going the way it ought to, that eventually his brother will, you know, release this cloud over his brother, so to speak. So verse 41, so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, 
flee to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Hmm. It's interesting. Oh, poor Esau. He's angry now. And we see this today, right? It doesn't matter if it's your brother, your sister, your best friend, cousin, uncle, aunt. It does not matter. The enemy has brought with him hate and anger and, and despise and jealousy and envy. And so those who have a weaker heart that cannot handle their emotions, the enemy can easily cause them to be so angered that they would make very rash irrational decisions, right? And in this case, Esau was really out for his brother's throat. Like, just wait till father dies. I'm coming for you. You know, why is it that he wants to wait till his father dies? Is it because he knows how much he is favored by his father and he wouldn't want his father's death to end on the note of him killing his brother? Probably. You know, that just goes to show that we all have a conscience and we know right from wrong, but a lot of times we choose when to be wicked, <laughs> right? And when to play nice or when to play uh you know angelic so to speak and then here's rebecca who finds out about this i don't know if it was through esau or maybe through one of the maids or something um we can't really tell and again warns her son jacob and says listen listen to my voice you gotta go your brother wants to kill you and is sending her to where her brother lives in Haran. But apparently Haran may not be the place that she wants Jacob to go lest he wife's one of the daughters there. So I guess we'll see what that means as we read further. We are now going to chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Amen. What a blessing. So Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalah, the, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Hmm. Now this is where Jacob starts to come into the realization that God wants to use him, right? Because again, remember, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, he had promised them the promised land, right? He had promised them all the things that you could think of, including that promised land. And so Jacob is part of this is part of this lineage. So this is the time I believe that Jacob has his true and first encounter with the Lord. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you 
and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave everyone Anika Ade here uh this is part two of the final um the finale episode of the Genesis series we are currently in Genesis chapter 28 and I'm going to start from verse 15 which is where we left off from part one and it says behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz, previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Amen. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This sounds like the start of uh, tithing, so to speak. Um, And so that's why, you know, the church makes it this thing, like as if if you don't give money to God, um, he's not going to bless you in return. And it's so much deeper than that. That's not necessarily the case because technically when you give one tenth of your tithing in the church, it helps the workers of the church, right? It's supposed to be their salary. Unfortunately, not all these workers are getting paid as they should that are working in the house of the Lord. It's supposed to go towards um, the the leader of the church, the pastor, the bishop, the apostle, whoever it is. And um, it goes to everyone else who is working in his vineyard. That is what that is for. But your tenth can be given in so many ways. There are people out here who are suffering, who are hungry and are in need of food and drink and clothing and shelter. So if you decide out of this $1,000 that I get paid weekly, I want to give $100 to the poor. I want to give $100 to my sister because I know that she's in need. You know, that is what you're saying. You're taking it before God. You're saying, God, I'm making this vow. If you bless me with this job, I promise to give one-tenth to the orphanage that is next door. I promise to give one-tenth of my money to this church who is in who's trying to rebuild. I promise to give my tenth of this money to whatever it is. But you've made that covenant with God. That is between you and God. And because of that, God is going to say, okay, I will bless you with this. And he will hold you to the covenant you made with him in terms of giving your tithe. You know, so we have to remember throughout the course of our time working that we're not going to sit there and be like, oh, I hate this job. It's annoying. I can't be bothered with it. God does not like us mumbling. Take it from me. Trust me. I learned. We can't mumble. We ask for it. He blessed us with it so that we can bless others in return. But instead, God sees when we're troubled. God sees that when we're not happy, we always got to bring our petitions right back to him. Lord, I know you bless me with this job and forgive me. I don't want to seem ungrateful, but God, there's something else I'm looking into. If, if it is your will for me to have it, please, can you put me in line with this particular job or this particular business? And I shall continue to give one tenth of my earnings to such and such organization or persons, you know, or entities, right? But this time I'd be able to give even more. Father, please, would you do that for me? You know, with a faithful heart, you know, a true heart of repentance, you know, you really want God to help you, God will do it. There's nothing impossible for God. All right, I'm sorry. I get into my little preaching mode every now and then, but let's continue. Chapter 29. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the East. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. 
Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative, and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass, when Laban heard the report about Jacob his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to the house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Verse 15, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And going into her means that he may lay with her, copulate with her, right? It's been seven years, okay? He's been waiting. <laughs> Verse 22 goes on to say, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. All right, let's pause for a moment. Deception runs in this family. I mean, now we see that this is truly Rebecca's um, brother, right? Because he is also in the business of deception. My, oh my. Um, as if things couldn't get worse, right? And so here's Jacob, who's who who sees Rachel and is like, wow, she's beautiful. I think I would go for her. Even though Leah was presented to him first, but you know, he didn't care for Leah. He wanted Rachel. And so he said, I'll work the seven years. I'll labor so that I can get Rachel. And lo and behold, I think I want to believe that in those days, and if you watch these movies um, that are dated back to this time, I don't think they show the face of the, the bride to be. I think they're like veiled, so you can only really see their eyes. And who knows? They made a feast that day. Jacob was probably a little, you know, tipsy, as we would say, or, or lit, right? He was probably a little drunk. <laughs> Let's just use that word. And um, here's uh, Laban being deceptive and says, you know what, Leah, go in there, go, 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 go. That's going to be your husband, girl. Because mm -mm. seven years and Leah's still there. Meanwhile, Rachel is waiting for them seven years to be fulfilled so she could be with her man. But hey, Pops was like, nope, it doesn't happen in this culture. And since no one has come for Leah, guess what? I'm going to give Leah to you. And then you're going to have to serve another seven years because now you're going to have to have two wives because he has to fulfill the first promise of giving Rachel to him. Ah, uh, my oh my. So, you know, Jacob is, he's probably rent at this point. So verse 28, then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. So we have Zilpah for Leah and Bilhah for Rachel. Then Jacob also went in to Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah. 
and he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Mm. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. So Reuben comes from a place of hurt, right? And sadness that God saw, sees that I, ha I was not favored in Jacob's eyes, that Jacob only wanted Rachel. And so for that, what did God do? He opened up her womb and closed Rachel's womb. And this is teaching Jacob a lesson. And I wanna also sh extend this, uh, this conversation. If we look at today, we have families, especially in the African culture, I don't know about any other cultures, we have families that come and they attack their daughter-in-laws or even their own daughters and say, oh, what is taking so long? I want grandchildren. You have not blessed us with grandchildren. What is the problem? Are you a witch? Are you eating your babies? You know, they say all kinds of atrocious things, you know, and you sit here and you go, but I can't get myself pregnant. And I have been laying with my husband. Perhaps maybe he has the problem, you know, and who, which mother-in-law wants to hear that their son has the problem? You know, they want to think of their son as perfection. Oh, there's nothing wrong with my child in my family. They all give birth. Something must be wrong with you. And it's like, you have to understand God gives, God takes, God opens, God closes. And it's clear here, God saw the affliction in Leah's life, God saw the lack of love and God is love. Mm, hallelujah. Oof. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having a moment. God is love. And Jacob was being selfish with his love. If you're gonna love, you have to love, you have to have the agape love. And that love comes with the Holy Spirit, which many do not have today. And that's why some people can turn off their so-called love just like that. And what did God do in this case? He said, oh, okay, you don't want to love Rachel? All right, well, guess what? Rachel will be barren for some time until you learn, until you learn or maybe until Rachel humbles herself. Because who knows, Rachel was probably teasing and, you know, making fun. Who knows, right? I'm sure there's a lot that happened in between the stories. I think the Bible just gives significant details, you know, of, of what he what the Lord wants us to know, right? And that's how I see it. All right, let's read further. So we see that Leah has given birth to a son and she named him Reuben because God has looked on her affliction. Verse 33, then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. Look at that. I didn't even read that part. He has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So now she's got Simeon who was born because God has seen that she was unloved. And Reuben born out of her affliction. That word affliction means she was probably being bullied, tortured by her sister. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi or Levi. I don't know how people pronounce it, but I call it Levi. So now we've got Reuben, we've got Simeon, and we have Levi. And she's thinking... I've got three sons now. At some point, he should love me. And clearly, you can understand this based on what her response is when she bears a son. And she conceived again. Do you see how God is giving him an option, but also blessing her? And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. So, so far, God started off by giving her four sons. We've got Reuben, we've got Simeon, we've got Levi, and we have Judah. Let's keep those names in mind. These are all Jacob's first sons, right? And they come from Leah, his first wife. Now, when Rachel saw this, uh, sorry, we're in chapter 30 now. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Do you see what he said there? He acknowledges also that God stopped up her womb. So she said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her 
and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. I think this is where the um, the uh, conception of, um, or the should I say the development of surrogate, <laughs> surrogate uh, pregnancies come about, surrogate mothers, right? Because that sounds like that to me. Hey, I don't know. Tell me what you think when you listen to this. But that really sounds like that. Excuse me. So Rachel, in her impatience, this was an opportunity for her to go to God, to ask God to forgive her, you know, and to hear her cries. But instead, because she was impatient and she wanted to be favored and she wanted to compete with her sister, she was like, here, take my maid. So now Jacob has a third wife by default, right? <laughs> so now the maid gives birth. So she said, here is my maid Bilha, go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilha, her maid as wife, and Jacob went in to her. And Bilha conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. But has God really done that? No, I think God was just trying to show that, no, these women are going to give birth, but you won't because you're not understanding the message here. So she goes on to say, therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid, Bilha conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. And indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. So we have Dan and Naphtali from Rachel's handmaid, Bilha. Okay. So now Jacob's got how many sons? Seven. And that's, sorry. Yeah, I think, no, he's got six so far. So we have the first four from Leah, right? We've got Reuben. We've got Levi. We've got Simeon. And we have Judah, right? And then now we have Bilhah, who gave um, birth to sons um, for Rachel. And their names are Dan and Naphtali. Still aren't Rachel's kids. And Rachel made it clear here that she was basically competing with her sister. With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. But has she really? Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, his wife. Oh boy, just when we thought that Leah would have probably been satisfied, right? But clearly, Jacob is probably not loving her as she wants. Jacob is probably still focused on Rachel. Then she probably goes through a lot with Rachel with this whole competing. They probably don't get along. She's probably looking for some reason. The other part is she noticed that she's not bearing any children anymore. And again, that could be because maybe God had a plan somewhere, but obviously Rachel is messing that up. So she decided in her impatience and in her competitive spirit, as, as we women always do, right? She decided to take her maid Zilpah and give her to Jacob as wife. So now Jacob's got four wives, two out of envy, out of competition with his original first two wives. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. So she called his name Gad, G-A-D. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. So both maids gave birth to two sons, right? We have Bilhah's sons, Naphtali and Dan. And then we have Zilpah's sons, or should I say by way of, by way of Leah and Rachel, Zilpah's sons, uh, Gad and, and um, Asher. So now <laughs> Jacob is blessed with the first four, the other two making six, and these two making eight. So that is eight children thus far. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. So it sounds that Reuben, um, the first son of Leah, must have obviously gotten older. He's the oldest son. Um, so he, it seems uh, that's what he does. I think he was probably a gardener or a planter or something. And normally he would go in and he would bring whatever he harvested and bring it to his mother. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Um, and I want to, just for knowledge's sake, let's see here. We'll go to the Easy Read version to see, version, excuse me, to see what they called mandrakes. 
So during the wheat harvest, Reuben went into the fields and found some special flowers. He brought them to his mother, Leah. But Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's flowers. So mandrakes are a type of flowers, but I feel like it's a specific type of flower. And I'm going to look that up. And um, I implore you to do the same. Verse 15. But she said to her, is it a small is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? So clearly, you know, that there's 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 bitterness between the two of them. So, you know, she's like, uh, Rachel, hold on a second. It's it's already bad enough that you basically have the heart of my husband. Now you want to come and take the flowers that my son usually gives to me. You want it. And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrake. Wow. That is interesting. And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. <laughs> Do you see what happened here? It shows that Rachel can have Jacob anytime she wants because she said, all right, you know what? You can have him for tonight, but I want flowers. Can we? How, how about that? And because Leah really desires for Jacob to want her and to love her, of course, she's going to agree with that. So she goes up to Jacob and she's like, "Um, you owe me some because your second wife took flowers for my son and they were supposed to be for me. And God listened to Leah. And she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son, who will also become the ninth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So he called his name. So she called his name Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son, which would now become the tenth. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Wow, she had six sons for Jacob. All right, so we've got six from Leah, obviously, and then we've got two from her handmaid, so that makes eight. And then we've got two from Rachel's handmaid. So eight plus the other two, that makes 10. So now there's 10 kids. Oh, but wait. Verse 21 says, afterward, she bore a daughter and called her name Dina. She actually had a girl. So sons seem to be a really big thing that happened back in those days. But she had a daughter. And it's interesting. You don't really hear about Dina for a while until later. And we will definitely get into that by the grace of God. It looks like this is going to be a couple of parts, but I want to end it. Um, and I'll be ending it pretty soon. So verse 22 says, then God remembered Rachel. And God listened to her and opened her womb. So Rachel probably at this point figured, okay, I can't do this alone. So clearly I'm going to have to take this to God. And it seems that God decided to listen to her and decided to open her womb. So we have um, 10 children, uh, which obviously the they came from, um, well, we have 10 sons, right? That came from Leah, her handmaid, and um, Rachel's handmaid, and then she had the daughter. So that's really seven kids so far from Leah. And then in verse 22, when God remembers Rachel and listens to her and opens her womb, she conceives and bears a son. And she says, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. So she's saying with Joseph, another one will come. Like, I'm not just going to settle for this one. I know that God will answer me more because I, God has heard me and he has taken away my, 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 my problem. He has taken away my sorrow and he's going to listen to me. So she's already putting it out in the atmosphere to God that you're surely going to bless me with another child. So now Jacob has 11 sons, one daughter. Verse 25, and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned my experience, I experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. 
So Laban is really trying to milk um, Jacob. He's trying to take advantage. He sees that God is with him. He sees that with the work that Jacob is doing, it is definitely bringing in, you know, um, more cows and, and goats, you know, all those things that they, that are considered like money to them. You know, a lot of these things are, are good things are happening in his country. And he's like, if Jacob leaves now, we might not be as blessed as we are now. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you would do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hands of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white stri strips in them, and exposed the white which was, rod in, which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. All right, we're going to end in chapter 30, and then um, I'm going to put up part three, which I think part three is very important. Um, we, we need to really get through this as much as we can. We have a couple of more chapters left. Um, some significance in this before I end it. Let's just go into, because this was a pretty long chapter, but I kind of want you guys to stay with me and understand what was happening here. So clearly Laban, you know, he realized that he was very blessed having Jacob around and Jacob was like, okay, Here's what I need you to do. So we're going to go to the easy read version real quickly to see what he asked him to do. And so if we start at 31, he said, I don't want nothing. Um, I don't want anything. I only want you to let me do this one thing. I will go back and take care of your sheep. But let me go through all your flocks today and take every lamb with spots or stripes. Let me take every black young goat and every female goat with stripes or spots. That will be my pay. In the future, you can easily see if I am honest. You can come to look at my flocks. If I have any goat that isn't spotted or any sheep that isn't black, you will know what I, that I stole it. Laban answered, I agree to that. We will do what you ask. But that day Laban hid all the male goats that had spots. You see what he did? He was being deceptive again. And he hid all the female goats that had spots on them. He also hid all the black sheep. Laban told his sons to watch these sheep. So the sons took all the spotted animals and led them to another place. They traveled for three days. Jacob stayed and took care of all the animals that were left. Then Jacob cut green branches from poplar and almond trees. He stripped off some of the um, bark so that the branches had white stripes on them. He put the branches in front of the flocks at the watering places when the animals came to drink. Then they also made it in that place. So basically what Jacob did, he had to be smart. He basically had to find a way to get these animals to breed with one another and made sure that they got fattened and good. Basically, God blessed him with the wisdom to do this so that he doesn't lose out. And at the in the end, Laban gets all the feeble, skinny um, goats and um, lamb. Do you see how this works? When God is on your side and when you trust in God, 
That is exactly what Jacob did here. He had to be smart because clearly Laban was really trying to take advantage. I want you guys to stay tuned. I am definitely going to come back with part three. Please do not leave me. This is so interesting. And I think you guys are going to really learn a lot from this book of Genesis. I love you all. God bless you. And tune in to part three of the finale.